0: party buff hi everyone and welcome back to party buff we are back with as Renix Oscitator and myself Goodroots games as we start talking about the gaming industry and support in the gaming industry to really build into what it means to be a developer to be a purchaser of a game and just to find out what we think as customers and as clients of these companies how we think they could do better or what we think they do absolutely right so once again let's welcome back. uh, I'm sorry, not DS. Yeah, I was going to say DS the original, but uh, because I usually introduce him first. But DS is not with us this round. So we just have uh, myself, Azranix, and Ostator. Say hi, fellows.
1: Hey, folks. Um,
0: We are back. So I think that the thing that we need to talk about in regards to the gaming industry is something that's been happening. I feel like has happened more and, and more often recently, which is companies coming in and purchasing old games and then saying they're going to do something with it and then either not doing anything with it or doing something so outrageous with it that it changes the game or god forbid that it actually ends up making it better so as i'm going to start with you what games have you loved or love now that have been purchased by another company and did they change it and if they did did they make it better worse or did it just stay the same and they ignored it
1: I can think of a couple of examples right off the top of my head here. Uh, The first one I'm going to go with, as everyone knows, BioWare, which was a very loved company and got bought out by EA. And, you know, so long story short here, BioWare is now just a shell of what it once was. (laughs) And I feel like anything that gets bought by EA pretty much goes down the drain. So uh, to me, I feel like acquisitions by these big other publishers tend to always deprive the uniqueness and the talent that the original developers had and i mean just in although you can say the same about like for example epic just recently bought out fall guys they bought the company behind fall guys and last year they bought the company behind rocket league and for the most part epic i feel like is a bit more uh, you know off offhand um uh, but at the same time hands-off approach but at the same time though they um, they you know they're going to take away games from Steam like they took away Rocket League from Steam. So in a way that kind of ends up negatively impacting the consumer because technically you have to buy the game from only Steam or only Epic launch you can't buy it from Steam anymore. So there's different I feel like there's different facets of like how like how an acquisition goes. But to me the biggest one is like when a huge publisher like EA buys a company and then they pretty much like that company goes down the drain from there on, on.
0: Have you seen that with any particular game that the, that the game itself has gone down? Like if a company's purchased a different specific game, I know you just mentioned Rocket League and Fall Guys. Um, have you noticed any major changes after the purchase?
1: I mean, so me, I haven't really played Fall Guys. I just know of it. Um, and they just recently bought Fall Guys like last week. So too soon to make a judgment call on that. From what I've heard about Rocket League, it's been pretty much the same. They did make your free-to-play though. So in a way, that's kind of a win for the consumer. But sometimes free-to-play can also mean a lot of negative effects, such as, you know, a bunch of microtransactions up the butt. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of different uh, different ways that, you know, free-to-play doesn't always mean that it's actually free-to-play.
0: Oh, true. Yeah, we've talked about free-to-play and microtransactions before and what that mm-hmm. can do to a gamer. What do you think, Aussie? Any games that have been purchased by a new company that just either ruined it or made it great?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh I was trying to think about this earlier. And uh you know, being a, a big fan of old school RPGs and you know, growing up with like Final Fantasy and uh Dragon Quest games, for example. For anybody who doesn't know, Square Enix used to just be Squaresoft. Uh and Squaresoft made Final Fantasy games. Uh Enix was actually the company making Dragon Quest games. So uh Squaresoft kind of like bought and merged with Enix. i don't know if that's as much as of an acquisition as it was a merger being between like the two rpg giants of the time coming together um but i think they've they've managed to kind of like do justice to both of those series over time you know i don't think there's been any like degradation to either series i, I think final fantasy uh has kind of like done more since then but i, I don't think either i don't know if that's as much due to the acquisition as it is like internal you know just whichever team's pushing for it more uh the, the other thing that i thought of that kind of like popped to my head <laughs> i think it was a an old studio called like 3d realms and it was actually who made duke nukem back in the day for anybody oh, yeah. who ever played duke nukem as a kid
0: dude uh, i mean and they were
2: acquired by <laughs> beautiful my there mouse
0: pad right there man <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I believe they... I think they just went under at some point. But I could be wrong on that. But it, essentially, they were they were purchased by, I think it was Gearbox, right? So, like, people who make portals. Yeah. And I think Gearbox is, like, a pretty solid company. So, I'm like, oh, they're probably going to do it justice. And I know there was a game, I think it was, uh, what what is it, Duke Nukem Forever? Yeah. yeah. And, and that yeah. came prior to them purchasing, I think, was just in, like, development hell for years, right? Uh, yep. Like, years upon years. I feel like, and 14 then, years, actually. They, they kind of, like, acquired the IP. They pushed the game out, released it. And I never actually played it, but from everything I heard, it was one of those just sort of a uh, commercial flops. Like it just didn't hit any of the right notes. And I don't know if that's so much again, due to the acquisition. Like, I don't know if that's something where it needed more time or if they just needed to scrap Duke Nukem forever altogether and just do something fresh because it was you know so old at that point. Uh, Or another thing that I heard was like, you know, there's so many of the jokes are outdated and it's uh, got these like terrible old tropes of gaming. And I, I think that's just part of Duke Nukem as a whole. So I don't know if that whole phase just kind of passed on over time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's just a game that doesn't resonate with audiences as much today.
0: I mean, so. that's Duke Nukem's thing, though. Duke Nukem's catchphrases exactly. and ridiculousness, and, and that, that's kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, exactly. what he is. I mean, I've, I was a huge, huge fan of the Serious Sam series. Huge fan. And they had this kind of joking rivalry. I think Serious Sam, at some point during his games, called Duke Nukem some blonde-ass pansy. You know, something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just it, it's a constant joke thing. So anybody who yeah. played Duke Nukem, some of the newer games, and thought... This isn't true to the original, uh, or even worse yet, this is too true to the original. What do you mean it's too true to the original? Duke Nukem is from, like, the 90s. You have to understand yeah. the references are from the 90s. They're not trying to make it like Duke Nukem is now using an iPad to airstrike demons.
2: Yeah, um, there, there was a game called... Uh, let
0: see. Oh, as he digs around for it in there.
2: Bulletstorm. <laughs> hey, I love Bulletstorm. Uh, I
0: love People
2: Epic game, yep. actually, according to this EA, which I didn't know, but whatever the case, I really enjoyed that game. Yep. Uh, yep. But it was very, very much along the lines of like Duke Nukem. It's just like crude, stupid, fucking humor. Like nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you're not there for the highbrow. Let's put it that way. Right. And it was just like over the top. Everything's ridiculous. But it was just a really fun game. Fun. I, I really yeah. enjoyed what it was. But I remember, like at the time of release, it got so much criticism. Like it, it just got like nailed by the media because they're like, "Oh my god, it's so violent! Everything's so terrible in it. The jokes are so crude." Like, yeah, and I don't know. I, I think that's just a maybe that's just the world we're in today, and I'm an old man.
0: <laughs> I think that whenever games are. get purchased by a new company, you risk them changing the humor because you're literally putting it in the hands of new writers. You know, most of the time, right. you're you're changing. The person who wrote that in their particular style, much like the last of the books of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, was not written by Douglas Adams. It wasn't even written by a family member. And you could tell. It it just, (laughs) you can feel the difference in the books. It's not saying the book is bad, but it's not Douglas Adams. And you shouldn't go in expecting it to be. Much like you shouldn't expect whenever a game has been purchased by a company and it's been 20 years later that they're going to keep it exactly the same thing. I, I feel like with the gaming industry and purchasing new game or purchasing old games i worry mostly for the mmo community where this happens all the time people will make an mmo and they will say you know what i've had enough of this game i'm going to sell it to the next highest bidder and i'm going to move on to my next project And then the bidder who gets it is the one who ends up saying, oh, man, this thing was a money pit for them. I'm going to make it a money pit for me. Much like with Rocket League making it free to play or something gimmicky and then putting all these microtransactions into it. So sometimes I've seen games move on to new developers and new creators or new purchasers or whatever, and they've come out on on the better end of it. I... The jury is still out on Black Desert Online, which recently transferred from Kakao to Pearl abyss now the name of the shop in Black Desert Online from the get-go was called the Pearl shop so we know something was going on all right but mm-hmm. let's not even a lie we know that Pearl was involved but now that' transfer has happened Terra was reaching, was recently purchased for the um, for the PC The console I think stayed to the tell same you about
2: that because I actually, I jumped on Terra when it very first released back in yeah, the day. Same it year. was actually a pay-to-play game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you had to pay a monthly fee for it. And I remember yeah. first released, I was I was really interested in it. Like the combat just looked really appealing to me. And I remember playing it. Um, and then I remember while I was still playing it, not that far into it, probably within, it was within the first year, I think, uh, they decided to go off of, you know, a pay-to-play model and transition over to a free-to-play. And I, you know stop playing it at some point along there um and then i i really haven't played in a long time but i know you've played more recently like when it's been you know free to play and as it's now transitioned over through hands so i'm kind of curious to see like your take on how that that's gone for you
0: <laughs> tara tara recently got purchased again And I was playing it on the console, I wasn't playing it on the PC recently because they had the console cross-platform, which was the best thing that happened out of whatever sales they did recently, is that they were just like, we're going to cross-platform it, and everyone's like, hallelujah, and the hallelujah chorus rang down, and the angels shined, and everybody was happy, until it became apparent that that's the only thing they did, and... That was probably my biggest gripe with it was that, yeah, okay, sure, they opened it up cross-platform, and I'm thrilled, but there were still a lot of translation errors between the original Korean to the English. There were still game glitches. There was still problems with, you know, functionality, and I've, I've talked about Terra before, and I've said that for all the glitchiness it has, I will still play that game because the story is so good. I wish, mm. I wish the developers cared more about the functionality of the game than they did about just slap a new hat on it you know hey look guys we opened up the santa event isn't that great yeah they've had the santa event before if you're gonna buy it can you at least add something to the santa event you know like maybe add reindeer for us to go kill or something i don't know just you <laughs> yeah, do whoa. something
1: i think that's a real high escalate. add <laughs> reindeer cool for it us to kill it doesn't have to be whoa. intense
0: it just has to be different just you know just a little bit different if you're going to purchase a game and i feel like from a from a business standpoint what's the goal of a business to make profit if a game is already making profit and it is for sale it makes sense to purchase it and not do anything to it because it's already now making profit for you as opposed to the person you purchased it from i get that but don't go don't go around rebranding and remarketing stuff and saying oh by the way it's going to own be owned by this person and then expect us to be excited about it if you're not going to do anything if you if that's the case then just silently do the transfer and be like oh by the way your account's now this bye that's all it should be that's all it should be unless you be, don't I'd do
1: that if if i were buying a company i mean let's you know hypothetically i've had wads of cash laying around if i were buying a company i would think and if that company was a money maker i would probably just buy that game or that game developer expectations low <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just let them do their own thing don't even touch it and silently, like, you know, have like some kind of ad or something in the bottom of the, like the website, for example, they'll say, like, you know, as Renix Inc. or something like that, you know, like just, just hypothetical, you know. So, like, that way you know who the company is owned by or who the developer is owned by, but like, no one really freaking cares who it's actually owned by. You know what I mean? Like, unless you go looking for it.
0: Well, in the spirit of transparency, they want to say, okay, everybody, we're moving the game from over here to over here and it's totally new. I get where they're coming from because they want to be transparent to their clients and I appreciate that more than they know because communication is a really big thing on my end, something that I appreciate from any company is transparency and not just sneaking through it. But if you're not going to make a difference, then why do I care? And the only time where I feel like this changes is if they're changing companies to one that genuinely either has really great business practices or really terrible ones, because that will move us to one of our other topics here. I'm actually going to jump ahead in in the list here and say to another thing I was going to talk about later on. We'll, We'll come back to the other ones later. But does a developer's reputation influence whether or not you purchase a game? so us let's start with you
2: um for me personally frankly probably not it should like i feel like it would make sense if it did uh i know you know not too long ago there was a a lot of uh controversy with like blizzard for example um there's a lot of people kind of like boycotting blizzard stuff uh Probably, during that time, I was still playing blizzard games, <laughs> so I know a lot of people who probably have a more of a straight moral compass than I apparently do would let that affect their decisions um, realistically for, like as a kid, you know I, I never knew what company made what game like I just played a game because I enjoyed it, um, and I think I've tried to like carry that mindset over into adulthood. Um, Usually, like if I, I'll look at a game and kind of see if it looks like it's something appealing to me before I really know who makes it like there there's been plenty of games actually that I've picked up to play because I'm like, oh, this looks like it would be right up my alley and then there's the like opening screen of it, and I see you know the developer of it, and I'm like, oh shit, these people make that awesome i I played this, this, and this by them like that's great um i I think there are definitely things where if I'm interested in a game and i know that I already like, like, I notice the developer for it, and I know that I already like that developer, that might positively influence me in order to, like, try to pick that up. But I I don't typically, I, I wouldn't say I'm typically, like, negatively influenced or directed away from a game due to whoever has created it
0: it's not solely about the about the negative it, it really isn't i don't want anybody who's, who's listening or watching this podcast to think that we're all about like yay negative hype you know bad news mm-hmm. channel no no no. it's not about that it's it's more about just a, our views on developers good and bad and on that line once upon a time little megan played on old computers like <laughs> ibm computers <laughs> dos you know that kind of thing and once upon a time there was a game developer called sierra if anybody remembers sierra raise your hands
1: (laughs) i feel like i've heard that name it brings a very faint bell yeah
0: sierra is eons old sierra is very old and i don't know who purchased them um i know that they've been purchased now and like a million times and, and the company's moved forward with other things but i do not know for the life of me what they have become and sierra made such awesome games I mean, really cool stuff. It's just back in the day. Of course, you're not talking about like super ultra graphics, but they're like little side scrolling adventures like Eric the Unready. I'm pretty sure that Sierra made Eric the Unready. They made the uh, King's Quest games. Um, I think I think they made Rex Nebular and the Cosmic Gender Bender, which was hilarious. If you have never played Rex Nebula and The Cosmic Gender Bender, I really encourage you to do so because this was not this was not a statement on anything about like the LGBTQ community or anything. This was long before this had ever become kind of a thing. It was just a silly game about a guy who goes to a, he gets abducted in by a spaceship full of women and they turn him into a woman. And it was just it was hilarious. And I was like a kid at the time and I still thought it was hilarious. Um, I think they also did Maniac Mansion, which was one of the greatest games of all time. And I quoted it I as a kid all of the time. I loved the green tentacle and the purple tentacle. They were hilarious. And the older games like that, I feel like Sierra, if Sierra was still making games similar to that to this day, I'd be all over it. I, I'd be like, <laughs> yes, I want every Sierra game ever made. And I'm the same way about most, not all, NIS games. And their reputation isn't necessarily something that's about, um, are they good people? Are they bad people? You know, I mean, how many of us buy off of Amazon and still are abhorred by how much money Jeff Bezos has? Come on, you know, we do it because it's convenient. You know, I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest here. But the moral reputation and the gaming reputation don't have to be one and the same on the high road in the same purposes, I've heard terrible things about EA games. Terrible. I played EA games growing up. And now apparently EA games is filled, filled, filled with microtransactions. Like it's it, what you see all the memes about like buying a burger and back in the day, buying a burger, it's like you buy the whole burger and it's like 60 bucks. And now it's like to buy the burger, it costs only $5, but to buy the lettuce, it's $12. And to buy, you know, I mean, it's like all this other stuff that you do. And that's apparently that's what EA is known for now but it's not that that bothers me about ea what bothers me about ea games is that particularly ea sports i used to play ssx tricky like it was going out of style on the gamecube i loved it loved yes. that game i played the new ssx and it feels like they're pandering like look at how hip and cool we are you get to dress up like this and like everything feels like they're going too realistic with it hello so, fellow kids yeah, yeah, hello fellow <laughs> how, kids and that's what it do? is <laughs> I feel like EA Sports is trying too hard to pander to a to a hipper generation by making their graphics super, super, super cool, but you can't tell the difference between watching a television show and playing the game, and that's whenever I don't like a game anymore. I want a game to feel like a game, and I want TV to feel like TV, and please keep them separated. I I just don't like... I like interactive parts of it but I don't want to be confused about what the hell the main menu looks like. It should obviously look like a menu. You know. <laughs> Thanks SSX. Yeah, it just didn't to me mind, so like, uh, I you know, I would say that it doesn't like it doesn't influence that. my my opinion about buying a game.
2: There's definitely been times where like in newer games especially it'll transition from a cutscene to gameplay and i won't realize it and i'll just be like standing there and then i'm like oh wait i'm in control
0: did the game start you know just sitting there wondering and not to speak badly of it or anything one of the most recent mario games the one where you get to turn into cats i can't remember the name of it but the the that one we just started playing it had a transition like that at the beginning like is it over are we are we playing the game? And it's a great game, and it's fun, but it is one of those situations that feels like that. Like, going from cutscene to gameplay is beautifully smooth, but almost yeah. to a detriment. <laughs> what do you think, As? What do you think about developer influence?
1: So, for me, I have a couple of answers to that question. So, I'm like, yes and no on that question. Mainly because... So, when it comes to... As my community knows, and as some of you guys may know... I don't really pre-purchase games. I don't buy games. I usually wait two to three years. I said this a couple of times on my stream as well. I usually wait two, to three years after the game has been released to buy the game of the year edition with all the bug fixes, with all the DLC included and for a much cheaper price. I have no problem with missing out for a couple of years and getting a cheaper game because of that and a much more complete game. Um, the exception to that rule, I know it's kind of, kind of makes and i know a lot of developers are doing this now it's a multiplayer game like overwatch for example i buy i bought that game on release the day of you know what i mean and i've been playing that game you know for the last four or five years now and so if they make you know when overwatch 2 comes out i'll probably buy that day one as well just because i trust in jeff kaplan and papa jeff for the Overwatch team you know what i mean and uh like, like, just like, so for him, like his reputation, like just for him, I know he takes took care of Overwatch. He's a great uh, game director and all that kind of stuff. So for him, I'll buy his games day one. Now, if he were to leave, and Blizzard, you know, being the they're going downhill, in my opinion. But if if he left and Blizzard took over, like that is somebody new as a game director, I probably wouldn't play Overwatch again, or like probably wouldn't buy. But like for example, like the recent controversy over Cyberpunk. Like, it was, like, the biggest game of the freaking decade to now nobody even talks about it anymore. Um, And then, you know, CD Projekt Red was a child, like, you know, like, it was a game darling. It was a game industry darling, you know, after the huge, huge success of Witcher 3 and the, you know, subsequent TV show. um, It was, like, you know, Cyberpunk was all set set to be, like, the biggest game. Everybody was talking about it. Their ads, like, like your mom and your dog probably knew about Cyberpunk coming out, and, but, like, now it's just gone to, it was just, it was just a meh game. And that's one of the things, because I had friends asking me, like, what, you know, like, as you're not going to buy the game on day one, I'm like, as much as I love CD Projekt Red, no, because I don't trust really any game developer for the most part, because stuff like this can always happen. No matter how good their previous success was, it never guarantees future results. And you can't base uh Like, you know, and especially a game as complex as Cyberpunk, I just had a feeling there were, were going to be like a thousand bugs, you know, day one. And they're still fixing those bugs even months later now. And it's probably not going to be fixed for a while yet. So I'll probably buy Cyberpunk sometime next year when it's like, because it's already down to like 30 bucks. You can really find it for 30 bucks. So I'll buy next year Game of the Year edition for like 15 bucks and uh, enjoy the crap out of it when everything's been fixed.
2: So I'm kind of curious, as, 'cause because I know you've said in the past that uh, like The Witcher 3 is probably one of your favorite games, right? Yeah. Um, did you play that right off the bat or did you play that?
1: Actually, no, I played it I actually finished it last year, 2020. Like okay. early 2020. Yeah. I played yeah. the end of 2019 and then finished it early 2020.
2: Yeah. See, that's that's when I played The Witcher 3 as well. Uh and I heard a lot of people saying when Cyberpunk came out and there's all the issues with it, there was a lot of people saying, like, oh, this was kind of the same situation with The Witcher 3. Like when it first came out, it was super buggy and there was all these issues and stuff. So I'm, mm. I'm kind of curious to see how far along it'll come in comparison. Yeah
1: i mean yeah no no, exactly like i said for me like which three is one of my favorite games of all time but and i was gonna play that release and then life just happened and i actually didn't get a chance to play it or buy it so i just bought it a couple years later for like i literally bought it for fifteen dollars like four years later with you know everything fixed and everything all that good stuff and it was the best thing i could have
2: uh could have played yeah a great game (laughs) Mm -hmm, once mm -hmm. upon
0: a time games were games the product was the product whenever it was shipped out it was shipped out as is there wasn't any bug fix there was not any update they didn't send you a usb drive where you had to put it in and be like okay guys install this patch no it was done bugs and all errors and all it was what it was and so i think that beta testing was a much bigger thing back in the day because there wasn't a do-over like there is now and i feel like with with the internet and with how quickly it's possible to get updates and downloads and that kind of thing, games just get released and they go, we'll fix it and post. I think that that happens a lot. And I'm going to do a quick segue into customer service based on a story from my mother actually was a beta tester for Sierra years and years and years ago. And she got this kind of position because for several things one there was a game where my mom had to talk to a prince or something and she knew from the dialogue she knew that you had to give this stupid prince a peach and so she sits there for like a thousand times trying to give this prince the peach and she knows that this has got to be the right thing a thousand and eighty nine times into this dialogue a pop-up pops up on the screen says you just tried to feed a prince a peach a thousand and eighty nine times call this number, we want you to be a beta tester. Apparently, she was the only person who ever found that and the only person who ever called that line.
2: My mom's also the
0: same person who walked along every wall, every nook and cranny, and clicked on every pixel, every single thing to check for little hidden rooms. And sure enough, my mom came across a hidden room that was supposed to be deleted by the developers, and it wasn't, and it was put in as a joke. And the caverns were obviously built out of genitalia like stalactites and Mm -hmm. stalagmites, and it was everywhere. And so she finds this room and she calls and she goes so i just found your genital room and they go the white room and she goes you know over here and this developer she said you could hear him blushing through the phone she goes i thought we got rid of that you know? and it's just like no mom managed to find it because she's one of those people and the the idea was you could call a company and somebody would pick up the freaking phone and talk to you about the game and there used to be actual phone hotlines for hints yeah. nintendo had it in in yeah, the nintendo, game yeah, magazines. yeah it used to be a job you had to know how to walk through these games and how to do certain things and call hint lines so you used to be able to pick up a phone and call and so i think that the, the games in general have become so numerous and and, you know people are game developers are coming out of the woodwork computer graphics courses became the thing to do um it it was obviously a growing industry and it was a a growing business so people wanted to get their foot in the door and now we have games coming out just like you could walk in and be drowned by them epic is giving them away for free you know i mean steam has free games free games free games you know back in the day you used to have like 12 three and a half inch floppy three and a half inch discs or you know what i have back at my mom's house which is like those big old five and a half inch floppies you know whoa back in the day and now it's just it's handed to you and people are begging you to play with that in mind with the flood of games i feel like the customer service side of the industry has all but disappeared because they cannot handle customer service calls for every single game. So if you've come across a customer service, and I'll just give mine real quick, the customer service support tickets, where you put in a support ticket and you get something generic back, it feels almost like an insult. Just like, did you even read my complaint? But they also have just billions of players and just all of these accounts to go through. So I don't blame them, but the customer service side of the gaming industry, I feel has slipped by the wayside and maybe that's not as important to younger gamers as it is to older gamers but i would like to hear from y'all about that and see what you think um is a good or a bad thing about customer service in the games you play whether they're online offline board games anything that that grabs you as a gaming industry do you feel like you're still heard as a customer or do you feel like you are the product instead of the client so as let's let's go with you
1: um uh, most for i was gonna say like you know when you're talking about the subject about like phone calls earlier like i mean it would be, be kind of cool to, like you know call up a company and like be like yo like this is the thing they need to change in this game but you can imagine some of the, the gaming crowd out there now how they could abuse the crap out of that like you know before you could talk to a developer or someone but now like you've seen like you know companies get like death threats pretty much you know if if uh if a game doesn't come out in time or if something's wrong with this so yeah i can only imagine how much worse that would be with an actual phone call and also i mean i guess you can't really have that anymore because back then i feel like gaming was a niche you know what i mean like it, if you said you were a video gamer back in the day you'd probably be called a nerd or like you know nowadays nerding and playing video games is cool now you know what i mean like times have changed but back then you know video games used to be just for the nerdy kids and you didn't really, you didn't really want to say that you played video games you know what i mean um but in terms of customer service like and i feel like yeah customer service for the most part has just been relegated to twitter now like if you really want to get a company on the line you got to go to twitter make a make a big deal out and make a make it public so to speak and then the company would be like oh yeah sorry sorry about that you know let's uh let's let's you know let's talk this over um yeah it's really just been relegated to just like making a big deal of everything and like you said already it's email, like, you know, talking to them doesn't really do much for the most part. Now, I feel like a lot of customer service departments have just been outsourced to like the lowest bidder and they've just, or the lowest, you know, the person company that'll be like, hey, you know, we'll take over this. And it's just like a generic response. And can't really blame them because they have a lot of customers. But I remember even like 10 years ago, I had a problem with like with World of Warcraft, I think on my account. And I emailed Blizzard and they were super helpful. Like they, they uh, got my, like it wasn't even a generic response the first time. They were like, the first response was like, automatically already trying to fix the issue and it was really cool and i remember they were just being so helpful and but i feel like if i emailed blizzard now i'm not sure how it is 10 years later now but if i emailed them now i feel like it'd probably be a lot different it probably i probably would get like a generic response first and then after multiple attempts i feel like they would finally get somebody knowledgeable enough to answer my question so it's, it's it is a bit of a of a grind now to even get a good customer service and i feel like for me customer service always comes first i know uh this might be you know leading into another question but i feel like i've I always prefer to shop at companies that always had good customer service like if there's product a and product b but product a is like five dollars more expensive but it has better customer support i genuinely will buy product a because of that even if it's more expensive because i know sometime down the line if something does happen they got my back and I love the saying, you know, if you know, buy once, you know, you buy for life. You know, buy once, cry once. You know what I mean? You, you don't only have to, you don't have to worry about quality, and like you know, for example, Costco. I love Costco because they have excellent customer service, some of the best I've seen, and uh, it's one of the reasons why I'll pay a premium just to have a membership and buy stuff from there because I know that if something does happen to the product, I can return it no problems, and they'll have my back on it.
0: They're a good company. No kidding. That's a good one. And I know that I mentioned Amazon earlier. And yeah, I know that Amazon's kind of like the the guilty pleasure for purchasers of things because how can you ignore it? Their customer service. I mean, you get to return stuff in case it doesn't work. It just they respond Actually, to you. I do, human want to point that I do
1: want to say something on that one. Uh, so I mean, I forgot to mention Amazon because Amazon back in the day, like way, like I'm talking about like 15, 15 years ago Book when Amazon. Amazon was still starting to become a thing. Yeah, I was like, like, like even when I was starting to sell other things, I remember talking to Amazon customer support and they were so helpful, so knowledgeable. They were so like, something goes wrong, you're like, okay, no problem. You know, even a couple of years ago, they're still up to that point. But I felt like, I feel like in the last two to three years, the customer support has gone downhill. Because even now, like being a quick anecdote here, I had these fans on my computer that I bought from Amazon, these computer fans, okay? There was some no-name brand, but they got good reviews, you know what I mean? So I thought they were okay. And I bought them and like now a month later, these computer fans have stopped working. And I was really disappointed in that. So I contacted Amazon, like, hey, look, you know, two months later, these fans have completely stopped working. And, like, you know, and, and, like, you know, and like, I expected them to just say, okay, you know, we got you. Go ahead and return it to us. But in in return, all I got was like this customer associate, which I can't blame them. They started asking me, have you tried plugging it in? I'm just like, (laughs) what? (laughs) And they're like, like, so I'm like, and I didn't want to be like, okay, what, you know, like, hey, I'm a, I work in IT, I should know my, you know, I know, I know if it's plugged in and I was going to start talking to them about how like I have a fan controller and how it's plugged into the, you know, the Corsair commander problem. I'm like this person's not going to know what the heck I'm talking about. So I just say, Hey, you know, it's plugged into a fan controller. And then they just started asking me some mundane questions. Like, like, is the fan light on or something like that? I'm like, there is no fan light. It's a, it's a computer fan. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, if it's not working, <laughs> there wouldn't be any light at first. Like it took me a while. And then after like, 25 minutes or so finally they were like okay yeah you can return it to us and then they're like we'll charge you a restocking fee and i was like what <laughs> i'm like these are 15 dollars fans and then so i'm just i'm a little biffed about that just because i felt like amazon was a great company in terms of uh customer support but i feel like in the last year or two they've really started to crack down a lot of uh a lot of returns a lot of you know they're not they don't have the same customer support as they once did so that's my little tangent there
0: <laughs> and it does kind of affect the way that you handle things i know that you know i've i try to purchase um the item from the company itself if they have a website i look at who the seller is on amazon and i'll try to go to them if they have the same kind of deal in customer service but it is a, primarily a, a customer service issue and how i relate that to the gaming industry is yeah you have a bigger product and you have a bigger clientele but i feel like it's less personalized what do you think ozzy
2: um. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it's funny you guys were talking about you know back in the day you could just call up like Nintendo for example, right? <laughs> just the like Nintendo hotline, <laughs> and uh, I remember just in the back of like an instruction booklet or something with your game there would always be just phone numbers for the companies. They're like call us here, blah blah blah. Uh, right. And it's funny you guys had brought up Amazon just on the customer service point, like I, I didn't really know Amazon had customer service. Cause I think man, this was probably like five years ago. I was trying to find a phone number. Cause so I just wanted to talk to somebody be like, Hey, just have this issue. Like, what do I do with it? So I didn't, I, it's too fucking lazy to click through like the mile of FAQ shit. And like, yeah. What do I do if something doesn't work? Oh, have you tried like? like, nope, this article doesn't relate to me. Let me go find the right fucking one. So I'd, I'd much rather just like call, talk to somebody, get it out of the way. Bing, bang, boom, dumb like nowadays i think amazon's customer service is literally just return it like they just have so much shit that they deal with going in and out that it's like yeah just return it like don't we don't even want to talk to you about it it's easier for you to just return it right Uh, (laughs) so i don't know if that's considered good customer service i mean it's convenient because i don't really have to worry about anything i could just go onto their website say hey this is busted i'm returning it and then go drop it off at anywhere in the area there's you know 30 different places you can drop it off because they've become so huge but i don't know if that's considered good customer service to me Um, and you know it's funny like i as as was saying kind of right not i don't mean this to sound arrogant i I don't know how to say it without sounding arrogant but as both of you guys know (laughs) i work in it at nasa And, like, earlier this year, I got a computer. I I got a pre-built computer for the first time in my life. And, like, a couple months in, my motherboard died. I contacted them about this, saying, hey, I've tried ABC. None of this is working. What's the process for, like, returning this and having you guys take care of it? Because it's still under warranty. And getting the, like, automated message back, hey, have you tried ABC? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep, right.
2: i did i tried abc I actually also tried you know def whatever like here's I've, I've done everything like i'm turning the computer on it fails to post for anybody who like knows anything about computers if it fails to post it's not doing anything it's basically brain dead it doesn't get it doesn't even get to startup and they're like oh well if you can get to startup what what's what are you seeing on your screen and i'm like no it <laughs> It fails to post. Like, I can't get anywhere. And it's like, oh, well, okay, here's, here's the process for returning it, but before you do that, can you try, like, this one more thing? And I'm like, yep, I already tried that. I already told you I tried that four messages ago. Uh, so what's the process for returning it? <laughs> um, yeah, and just, like, random stuff like that, I feel like you deal with that a lot more in customer service these days. Sorry, hopefully you guys yep. didn't hear that. I think there was, like, an AC unit kicking on loud as hell um i feel like you deal like with that a lot more in customer service these days just in general not even just in you know gaming industry but it's a lot more of that just like here's the automated message you know you even call like a health insurance company for example you're going through the the 15 prompts and talking to you you could tell somebody hey this is my issue and then they pass you to somebody else and they're like oh have you tried this one thing that'll fix it and like yep still still an issue like i told the last three people i took you know i feel like just customer service in general has kind of gone that way and i I would agree with as uh i think i'm definitely much more inclined to spend money somewhere that has good customer service uh or like that that treats their customers well you know i I think part of that probably stems from my old uh job i I worked for like a family-owned it was like a chain of stores across two states but it was like a family-owned corporation that I worked at for about 10 years. Like their their focus was always just like customer service, customer service. And you know, there were there were definitely cheaper options in the area that I could go to to shop for things, but like it, it's just so much better to have that like pleasant experience, you know?
1: <laughs> the peace of mind, yeah.
0: It really is to have a have somebody listen to you and I I think we touched on this uh this next topic here briefly during this conversation but we're just going to kind of briefly run over it here um how do you feel the gaming industry can learn from the support systems provided By the companies that have done well for you With customer service And we're all intelligent people You know, as Aussie We're, we're all relatively smart and
1: Where? I would like to think
0: <laughs> that I'm no fool To the nature of the market I know that the market Is saturated with customers At a higher capacity Than what a lot of the customer service Representatives can put out I know this, I'm not dumb I don't need to be told, well, we have like 20 million customers and we only have 10,000 employees. That sounds like a you problem, honey. And and it's more that I think the the companies that are struggling to offer customer support that's decent. And I'm just going to call it out. All right. I I know that the generic emails have become the godsend of customer service. Is it plugged in? Did you turn it on? Is your breaker flipped? I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. I know. I know that generic emails have become the godsend because sometimes they are genuinely simple problems, and it it fixes a lot of them. But I would like to say that the companies that are struggling with their customer service side, even though they send out generic emails, need to actually have somebody read the entire email before choosing a generic response. And I'm just going to... I don't mean to be mean about it, but... Recently I had a problem on Twitch. Those of you who follow my channel know that I had this issue with Twitch. I had inappropriate bots coming in and trolling my channel. And I'm not talking about trolls, I'm talking about very inappropriately named... it was a terrible situation on my stream. And it was actually enough that I almost stopped streaming entirely and had it not been for the support of the community and talking with other streamers who have not had similar problems, but have had problems where they've had to deal with something that might relate, I probably would have quit. And I emailed Twitch about this. And I said, you know, this, 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 this is happening. And what they saw was the word bot and follow. And they went, okay, she's worried about generic bot follower counts. No, I am not. I could care less. If anything, they're boosting my follower count, and I'm not paying for them. Go for it, bots. Enjoy. But that's not the problem. The problem is the names of these accounts. And if you had read the email, you would have known that. But you didn't. And so they sent back a generic page off of their FAQs that was about how to control generic bots. That doesn't... That's not the issue. Can you please just read the dang thing? And give me a response relevant to my issue so i think that yes well we are just flooded with customers and clients and we can't hit everybody with a personalized response the least they can do is read an email in its entirety before deciding on a few buzzwords yeah. what generic like email to send back what
2: your issue is before they send a resolution Yep,
0: it's not yep. much I mean, even if they send me a generic response back, it's fine. As long as it's a generic response relevant to my actual issue, instead of sending a generic response back based on, you know, oh, we did a control F and saw the word bot and follow, and we just went, there is the problem. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I had to write down exactly those words because they are bots, and it is a following account, but it's not the issue at hand. So just for God's sakes, read the dang thing before just sending it back, please. That's I feel all like, I ask I feel of like, you.
1: I feel like some companies want to do that on purpose just so they can make you tired enough to like, you're know, like, ah, oh, forget it. It's, you know, and then they'll, it's says going to wash their hands clean of you without actually having to put any effort in. That's just that, uh, my little conspiracy theory. But uh,
0: that's the problem I like, though, isn't it? Is that that's the yeah, problem yeah. with customer service today is that they, they don't want to fix your problem. They want you to start being exhausted enough to not have a problem with them anymore
1: yeah yeah instead of taking up you know valuable i mean i hate to like you know valuable customer their you know customer service department they want to just make sure that enough people like let's, for example let's say if 10 people call in right or like 10 people write an email whatever and three of those people four people get frustrated enough to where they just like you know stop or like they are like you know what whatever i give up on this that's still they saved enough man hours i suppose. Out of those, you know, four people that they like, they count that as a win, pretty much. Seventy
2: percent of your people are satisfied.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. They count that as a win. So I feel not like not that seventy
0: yeah. percent are satisfied; is that thirty percent are so unsatisfied, so dissatisfied that they just kind of gave up on it. That, that's yeah. And I think that I relate that kind of to the to the meme that his that history meme that went around about the um german plane that they were a reinforcing armor in certain places and they said oh these planes are coming back and they've got holes in them in these that. certain places and it's like actually that's a good thing it means that the planes actually made it back with these holes you know <laughs> it's like that yeah. shows, this is yeah. the kind of plane we need to put in the air not the ones that are the problem and mm-hmm. i don't think that some cut co- some companies who are so focused on just producing the next product and pushing it out there are Thinking about it in that way. They're thinking about it more like we are addressing what looks to be a problem, but it's actually a solution. And and I don't think that customer service needs to be treated um in archaic ways, in the ways that we can, you know, pick up a phone and just call and get it get a response, because there's just no chance. Not with 20 million people calling the phones. I get that. I know it. But slightly more attend just a slightly greater amount of attention into the actual issue and listening beyond just buzzwords would go so far so far in in this industry in particular in the gaming industry because the gaming industry has grown to such a wild extent and not just and I love going to conventions back whenever pre-pandemic times um I loved going to conventions and you got to meet the developers of new little indie games and stuff and they were very interested in the beta side of it, but God forbid the game got out and you never heard from them ever again. It, hmm. Hmm. it yeah, just I mean, happened. It,
2: I, was, I was kind of thinking about this earlier, right? And, you know, trying to relate standard customer service. Like you go to a grocery store, right? Um, you know, you and I being from Texas, we have HEB or we mentioned like Costco earlier, good customer service. I mean, Costco has obviously been a bit of a larger scale, but... yeah. I think something like that. You know, their their customer service concerns are their customers in their current physical location. I I think the really difficult thing with video games is that you might not know what how much of an impact it's going to have. Right, like especially with some of these indie games that explode. Like you're you're a studio of four or five people, and all of a sudden there's like a million people that have your game. And you know, as you mentioned, Fall Guys earlier. um, Yeah. I was actually following that game like up to launch and was playing it during launch, and they they had a pretty rocky start. There was a lot of server issues the first couple of weeks because uh, there was you know just a metric shit ton of people trying to play their game, and they just didn't have the the capacity for it. And I think their you know their um, like social media guy is just a single person. Dealing with just this massive influx of people. So, yeah, I, I think you can. I, I definitely understand how it can be difficult from that perspective, you know, if your game unexpectedly blows up or something like that. But when did we you know when there are larger companies like EA, or you know, BioWare or whatever. I don't know what the, I don't know any, I, those are the only two big companies I can think of. Activision, yeah, Activision Gearbox. Yeah, so like any of those, like I feel like they should probably have something in place because they've grown over such a long period of time. They kind of know what to expect at this point, you know what I mean? So if some, if a company like that has poor customer service, I, f- I would find it a lot easier, or a lot more difficult, should I say, to forgive that than I would with like an indie developer.
0: Yeah. I agree. Yep, I agree. It's a lot easier to forgive an indie company because they are one person or five people or that kind of thing, and it takes them time to get back to you and um but they also have a greater respect for your opinion because you are the people who are making them money i don't think stardew valley i don't think concerned ape ever expected it to get that large ever no. and i it, agree it's just it's gone insane and i'm i'm thrilled for concerned ape because he's made such a great game i mean i don't mm-hmm. know how many people are on that team and i don't even know if i'm using he correctly for all i know concerned ape is a she developer i don't know i've got no idea but i do know that stardew valley took off and became a huge huge game and they, bless them, have done really well to keep up with their game. They're really trying to hold on to it. And I I never want Stardew Valley to be sold because they genuinely care about their game. And I don't want it to be sold for a profit for a company that ignores it, which kind of circles back to where we were at the first place was if you run into a developer that buys a game and they just ignore it, does it affect your desire to play, even for nostalgia's sake? But I I think that what is a really interesting point to bring up about why we chose this topic as a podcast is because as brought up um anthem and i had no idea what anthem i mean i've heard of it i beyond that i had no clue so i did some quick wikipedia research and then i asked as i was like can you give me some more background on what this is and it really opened up a can of worms because this is not a problem that anthem alone has had or that that the developers for anthem had but I do want As to kind of expand on this for other people in the podcast like me who have no idea what we're talking about with the anthem thing. So as what what exactly happened and um can you explain why it's such a a touchy I mean, thing with developers?
1: I'll I'll try my best to obviously I never played the game either. I knew it was gonna be a crap crapshoot right from the start. Like, you know, that's why I never bought it. You know, I'm going back to my early topic and never buy games right off the bat there. So for me, like I knew it was gonna be a crapshoot. Me and my friend were talking about it when it was being released, we're like, yeah, this is gonna suck um but the thing is a lot of people didn't a lot of people like to get they got they got caught up in the hype and they buy things like that which i do want to point out to anybody watching this never get caught up in the hype it's not worth it do your own research do you know like don't buy a game straight off just because a trailer tells you to buy a game or you know it's going to be the next big thing you know i mean just wait trust me there'll be another game just like that six months from now so i think i think that's an important thing but for anthem specifically i think what it was was um You know, EA popped it up as the next Destiny, et cetera, et cetera. People played it. Turns out to be a total crapshoot. Then they came out, like, last year saying, hey, we're going to rework this entire game. We're going to rework a bunch of stuff. You know, we got this huge revamp coming in. You know, give us some time. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And then literally about last week, they were like, okay, you know what? Never mind. Anthem's canceled. We're done with this. We're washing your hands out of it. So... People people have been waiting for the last two years, I guess, if you count the year it was released, and then last year when they said they were going to do a revamp, and then leading up into this year where they're just like, you know what, never mind, we're not doing that revamp. It's one of those things where I feel like people should buy a game for what it is now and not what the future promise of it holds. You know, if if a game comes down to like, oh, don't worry, we'll kind of of going back to what Artie was saying too as well, like, you know, when games get patched in later, they're like, oh, we'll we'll fix it. We'll fix it in post, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where I feel like... With Anthem, like, you know, like if, if a game is promised, like, you know, play, buy the game for what it is now and not for what it's going to become later. And that's basically the story of Anthem. I feel like a lot of these developers or the, a lot of these people like, you know, buy these games because the developer will say something like, oh, yeah, don't worry, we'll add this content, you know, next year and we'll have a bunch of stuff. And people are like, all right, you know, we'll give them a chance. But it turns out like most of the time it never really happens like that.
0: So that, that is a was solid a sad piece of state advice. of Anthem.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I try. <laughs>
0: solid no it really is it's a solid piece of advice and and it does go back to not wanting to purchase a game without knowing that it's a completed product because back in the day they had to be and now they don't (laughs) Because it's so easy to download a patch, people can go, Oh, just download this patch and it's all ready to go. And I'm not saying patch downloads are terrible because it's how we update fun games. I mean, like Stream Raiders, Stream Raiders has updates every freaking hour. I swear to God, it's like every hour Stream Raiders wants to update something. And I just want to throw my computer through a wall because every time it says update, I'm like, Why?
2: The thing is, I'm, I'm waiting for the sound cue telling me that it's ready and i'm like surely like it's been a while right, right. And I click over to it and i'm like oh an update cool thanks guys yeah right Appreciate it.
0: that's what and that's what it was too is i think it's a great game and i'm glad that they update it because they give you new maps and they're really keeping up to date with trying to keep it hip and neat and you know all of the cool kids want to go play on the tabletopia setup and the egypt setup and i'm mean, yeah it's cool it's cool but the updates are just one right after the other, all the time. I've updated four times in a day. I wish I was exaggerating. I'm not. Yeah. I, I have just. I've
1: said, <sighs> I think it wouldn't be so bad, though. It wouldn't be so bad, though. I feel like I've, I've said this on my stream. It takes five seconds to connect your Twitch account to Stream Raiders, but it takes about 10 years to actually load into the game. So, <laughs> so it wouldn't be so bad if it was a quick loading, but no, it takes literally 10 years to actually load into the freaking game, too. So.
0: It's such a good yeah. game for streamers and for viewers. And I think it's a lot of fun, but the copious amount of updates is just wearing. Every time I open the game, I don't expect to open the game. I expect to open an update page every time I open it. Now I'm, I'm just not yep. expecting yep. it to ever open the way it's supposed to. And I think that's kind of become part of the gameplay. It's practically my main menu. Oh, click off this, click off this and update. You know, it's like the loading screen. I That's how I see it now. And just because it's happened so much, I get it and I'm happy they're keeping it up to date and patching it. But oh my god it's just so much and coming back to the i mean back to the anthem thing i do want to ask about developers as large as ea as gearbox as activision as um squeenix which is what we lovingly call square enix and just as all of these game developers that have continued to grow NIS is one of my favorites i don't play everything by NIS. i do not like persona I know that people go nuts for the Persona series. Sorry, Persona lovers. It's just not my thing. I prefer the Atelier and kind of happy-go-lucky, fun slime-killing games. You know, yay, fun games. But Persona digs into the emotional, deep, dark side of Ness that we never knew existed. It's kind of like that happy cheerleader kid with this deep, dark secret, like she murders men and <laughs> keeps them in her closet kind of thing. That's how I feel Ness handled Persona. But with that in mind, with all of these large companies, do you think that because the only thing they answer to are their profit margins and not necessarily their customers? They answer to their customer base, but not to their customers themselves. Do you think because the only thing that they respond to is their profit margins, that they have a greater urge to not hold themselves accountable? much like in the sense of Anthem, where they can just go, oh, tough for you, ha, 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 and just shut it down and still know people are going to come back and buy their games because they are that developer. So, Aussie, what do you think?
2: I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, no, to elaborate, I actually, it's, it's funny that you guys are uh, bringing up Anthem. So, Anthem was a game that I, I personally did buy, and Boo. I, actually, I enjoyed Boo. it. I enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> um,
2: with that said, I went into it with tempered expectations. Uh, I think the big issue with that game, and frankly with like Cyberpunk, since we were talking about that earlier, is people are going into them expecting it to be like God's gift to gaming. Like this yeah, thing's gonna fucking give you a back massage while you're playing it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just gonna be. I was gonna How say. How much did tits, you pay for it? What's that?
0: How much did you pay for it? Anthem? Yeah.
2: I bought it when it first came out. So so there was a a beta or a demo prior to it coming out. I played that for like 10 plus hours. And I was like, this is enough to convince me. If the game is just this, I'm okay with that being the game. I think the problem was, as it was leading up to release, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be you know, it's, it's the next destiny. It's got all this yeah. miles of content. This is going to be yeah. the next thing that's going to be live service for the next X number of years. We're going to add exactly, all that. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm happy with the base game. Like I'm good with that. And I picked it up knowing that with a couple of friends played through the entire thing. Co-op knew what I was getting into and I enjoyed it. Uh, I had a fun time with it. It was a fun co-op game. When you got to the end, there wasn't a whole lot to do like there wasn't a ton of in-game content (laughs) and then as as mentioned uh rather than adding additional content because that was the biggest issue for me i got to the end game and i was like all right there's fuck all to do i'm gonna go play something else yeah Uh, but rather than adding the additional content that was kind of promised ahead of time right it was uh they're like hey we realize this isn't quite what you guys wanted but we will fix it and it was like, okay, that's, that's cool. Whatever. You know, in, in my head, I was like, I'm already done with the game. Like I got my, I got my time out of it. I don't really care if they add more stuff. Maybe I'll go back and check it out. That's cool. So like last week or whatever it was when they're like, Oh yeah, we're, we're done with it. It's just being shelved. That was kind of a bummer to me. Cause it's just like, eh, it's it's kind of a letdown because it, it would have been nice to have more of it. But like, I, I genuinely did not dislike the game. Um, I thought it was fun to play through with friends and, it, with that said, I think I'm a terrible critic, which is like part of me wants to go play cyberpunk right now just to be like, is it really as bad as people are like bitching about it or is people just super jaded and want what they want?
1: And I think it's play. because of the fact like, you know, just to kind of expand on your topic there, I'll see. I think it's because of the fact that people have these huge expectations that they set for themselves and then they end up being yeah. disappointed, you know what I mean? Just like you, I kind of temper my expectations a little bit. Like, if I'm going to watch a movie, like for example, Pacific Rim, right? All I want to watch a movie is like with kaiju's and robots being the crap out of each other, you know, like I don't want some deep, complicated story. story. Yeah, right. Like that's a good enough story. I, I get it. Like I know I'm not. I don't. really, yeah. I don't want it to be like Interstellar or like you know Inception, where I'm like, oh, I need to be yeah. blown away by the story. It's like no, People I just want
2: to love be... old Godzilla movies for the acting. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right. or the
2: CGI. You know, let's
1: be real here. <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, I feel like if a developer promises, oh, we're going to support this for X number of years, and then literally as soon as everything goes, you know like it goes you know if everything goes down or like you know if something doesn't work out the way they wanted to they're like you know what on second thought we don't want to support this anymore either so i feel like I, i'm i'm usually I'm a, I'm a guy that values like someone's word really highly so if someone says something and then they kind of like turn their back on it afterwards it's kind of like well you just said you were gonna do that but you didn't so you know it's kind of like yeah.
0: The bonus question mm. do you feel like we put up with games being glitchy in the past because we had to and we feel like we don't want to put up with games being glitchy now because we shouldn't have to. I,
2: I think, I mean, that that kind of wraps in. I think that's part of why I'm, like, not a super harsh critic for games. As you were kind of saying earlier, right? Like, how a game released is how a game was. Like, if there were bugs, it is what it is. I, remember, I mean, I played so much fucking Double Dragons as a kid. I remember the end of the very first, like, stage. not Not even the first stage. It's like the end of the first walkway you could just go up to the wall and keep walking and you just your character would just like shoot up the wall yep. just on a loop over and over and over and just random things like that right like that that was one of the most popular games on the nes and like even the old nintendo or like the old uh mario games had so many bugs and shit in them and it was just stuff that you'd be like oh yeah i'll check this out this is pretty cool Whereas something like that would happen nowadays, somebody would take a clip of it, throw it on Twitter, and be like, "Oh my god, this game's broken as hell." It's yeah, that's that actually very true. Yeah, that's so, exactly what happened. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, for me personally, like, I don't, I don't, I don't mind bugs. More often than not, like, I find bugs to be hilarious. I'm like, "Oh, that's not supposed to happen." Whereas some that's people, why we still play Dauntless? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. Whereas some people get very upset about them, but uh, yeah, I'm. I, th- I think I'm pretty forgiving in that department but I, I think uh i don't know if it's because i've dealt with it in the past and then uh, i don't know if that's part of why people nowadays get super pissed when games are buggy is because like that's all they've known right they've known games that can be patched and can be updated like kind you were talking I- about sierra games earlier and i had flashbacks to being in a dollar store with a bin full of like dollar floppy disks and picking up like jazz jackrabbit as a kid
0: Put <laughs> I mean, pet goes yeah. to the moon
2: what you got is what you got back then.
0: Right, I think that, I I almost wanna just keep digging on this topic forever, but I'm gonna bring up one more major question on those lines. I feel that the nature of gaming and gamers has changed and that's why people get so pissy about bugs and about glitches in games not necessarily because it's a product where we didn't lower our expectations like you're saying to temper your expectations about a game coming out but rather because competitive gaming has become such a popular pastime even so much that it's esports have become a very high paying trade and people train for this kind of thing so whenever the game is at fault They feel that they can't properly train for this kind of thing or that people have changed personality-wise in regards to the video games and the way that they handle video games less as a leisure and more as a completionist or getting better at it than everybody else because of online competitions. Um, I think that that's a major reason, at least on my end, why gamers and, and clients and customers get so angry about the slightest little bug like you said the double dragon thing you can just run straight up the wall and then loop forever and then it's ridiculous and it's silly and to us yes it is and even on like old sega genesis games um there's a part of busby where uh there's a major glitch in there too sonic has a few of them too there's sometimes they're exploitable for speed runners and they can use these glitches to their advantages so they've taken advantage of, of doing that but in regards to competitive games or online games it, i feel like because games have gone online people are more frustrated with glitches because it affects the way they play with other people either co-op or competitively much like on tibia if the internet if you have a bad internet connection you know or something we used to call it and i'm sure it's, it's still called that in every game um that i know of is called rubber banding you're mm-hmm. moving forward and then suddenly you're snapped back 10 paces and so now you're not next to the dragon anymore. Now you're way back there, and you on your screen, you were next to the dragon. You've got people yelling at you on the phone or whatever you're doing, saying, why aren't you up here? And I, I am up here. And then, you know, five seconds later, you rubber band backwards. And so that was a big problem that came out. Um, that's the co-op side of it, but on the competitive side, how many times have you lost a game due to a glitch? And it's just pissed you off to no end. And I think that maybe that's why... Nowadays, people are less inclined to be as forgiving with video game glitches and bugs and why they get so annoyed with patches and updates and things like that, because they just want to have it right the first time so they can feel like the pro gamer they think they are that's well,
1: what's more like a, i think it's also more like i mean no one really likes bugs let's be honest like i hate bugs in a game too like i mean i know i know i played donuts a lot and that's like bug city central but <laughs> no i mean let's be honest no one really likes having bugs in the game or like for example i know uh like when i first tried playing among us i bought the game the very the very first day i was trying to play with friends and the game i guess the servers were down or like it was bugging out we couldn't join co-op you know it was frustrating because you know we had set aside some time to play with each other and we couldn't play co-op among us with the you know that that specific day. So bugs are definitely frustrating and, and I and I definitely look forward to updates and patches, you know, when they say they're gonna fix something and they do. And um but I think the biggest I think just you know on that topic is as well is a lot of people want a game to be their like their forever game. That's just my personal opinion. They want this, yeah. you know, that game to be the forever game and they want it to be you know, f- f- you know, not filled with any bugs, or you know, or very minimal bugs, and they just want to play that forever. But the thing is, these people rush through the game like within a week, finish everything, and then they're like, "Okay, so what do I do now?" And then, but no game ever has that amount of content to which it can satisfy them. So that's also where that guess the disappointment comes
2: from, too. We're we're insatiable as gamers, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like there's no game out there that can just satiate even the hardcore people and also the Casual people you know what I mean if there is I've yet to See it
0: I think the internet's A beautiful thing without it I wouldn't have met you Fine people and so many of the Fine (laughs) people that follow the podcast So many of my friends my one of my best Friends in the world in real life I met online Through tibia um, through an MMO And I think that the Internet's a great thing I also think that the Internet has as As Oscar put it, it has made us insatiable We just want it to Be we want games to be exact The first time And we want them to be right because it's more it's not about, oh, here's a cute, fun little glitch where my mom ran into the genitalia cavern that they forgot to take out of the game. You know, I mean, it's not something where it's just like a funny little an extra that was accidentally an extra or a little bug that, you know, was kind of an accident, like a monster spawns. And it has the face of an NPC kind of things where it's just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Ha ha ha. But more about gameplay interference. And I think that competitive online gaming or even cooperative online gaming and the internet with its effect on gaming in general has made people more impatient to to bugs and to glitches because they just feel like i paid for this and i want it entirely and i want it now and i want it exact and i want it perfect but you're right it before even back in the day the game was what you got so they were less inclined to release a game if they had a feeling it was buggy but it still happened. And in the event that it happened, and believe it or not, I remember this from way back in the day. One of the Sierra games got released, and there was something wrong with it. And they released the disc number 5 installation disc and said you need to reinstall it with this new disc 5. So that was the old version of a patch. And because they said, we, we cannot believe, because you couldn't finish the game. You couldn't finish it. And that's that's a huge thing it's not just like oh the monster glitched and killed me whenever it was 900 feet away from me you know i mean it's not just that it's like you couldn't finish the freaking plot and that's the worst thing that could happen in a game so they genuinely said if you give us the game code that came with it and we will send you um on our dime the new disc for the final install because something went wrong on that disc which was total taking it back to customer service that's a baller move that was awesome. That That is a show of force in the customer service world to say on our dime, we're going to ship you disc five because it was our fault that it got released like that in the first place. That was awesome. And that's the kind of developer I want to see in the future. I want to see developers go out of their way to make sure that they recognize their mistakes, own up to them, and don't give a generic email gross response about... We here at so and so development team would like to issue an apology for any inconveniences caused by playing blah 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 and you know I mean just like it's it, it, politics talk. I want to hear somebody be genuine about their apology much like Sierra did with that game and know that bugs happen, but if you support the if you support fixing the issue that I care more about you as a developer, as a game producer, as a whatever, whatever it is you do, if you genuinely show a concern about me as a customer rather than me as a customer base. I'm not a number. I'm a person who had an issue. And I think that developers need to embrace this fact again and just realize that it's not 200 people playing your game. It's 200 million people playing your game. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge difference. Massive.
2: I think, like a good example of that too, of just a you know a developer who's released something that's on the buggy side and then kind of bounced back from it. Uh, for either of you, I don't know if you are familiar with No Man's Sky. That was the oh, yeah. game yeah. when it was coming out. Everybody was like, "This is this game is going to be amazing! Like it's endless, it's, it's infinite universe, infinite possibilities. There is all this crazy yeah. stuff that's going to happen." Uh, and that basically released. I don't want to say it flopped, but like it. It hit some turbulence uh, and it did very poorly when it first released, and then they they basically just did they've been doing for, i think up to even today they've been doing updates, just free updates for the past you know several years, improving everything yeah they've, they've definitely changed uh, it around. with it, they've been releasing additional content of like here's here's all the stuff we kind of like said was going to be with the initial release, and they've been just adding just tons, tons of free content. Uh, not my favorite game. I've tried it; it's just not my thing. But I've, 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 it's been interesting to see the evolution of that and like the reputation of the the company and the guy. I think it was like one specific guy who was kind of like in charge of a lot of it. But the uh, the company as a whole seems to have done a very good job of going from like very negative review to very positive review and being kind of like you know respected by the their their fan base again. From kudos to them. Position where they really like slipped and lost a lot of that uh, traction with their fans you know
0: that was actually one of the questions I had on our uh, little list here was what can a developer do to recover from a poor reputation and that's uh, that's a really good point there because I know we touched on it a little bit is that you screwed up own up fix it Yeah. god that's a life lesson that's not even a business (laughs) lesson that's something your parents should have taught you whenever you were growing up you screwed up Answer for it. Ta-da. I mean, it's like that, that, those are two pieces of the same penny. You know, you got two sides of the same coin. I don't see why game developers, um, businesses in general, seem to think that the answer to screwing up is generic and ignore it or scapegoat it away from something or divert. It
1: could be for legal <laughs> reasons, too, though. And honestly, I feel like if you, if you accept the blame, then people can sue you for that as well. That's why yeah. I mean I hate the fact that it is, but I think that's the reason why most companies want to do this because then at that point you're accepting blame and then you're uh, you're opening yourself up to lawsuits at that point.
0: That's true. It's a good point. So I think that in I, I guess as we wrap up this session of Party Buff here, as we've talked about, you know, developers and the support and the industry and how it's grown over the course of you know the many years that we've been gaming and the years beyond this for our gamer friends who are older than us um like i said my mom's been playing games for years my dad was playing games for years he was the person with the very first calculator in his high school he used to rent it out to teachers and students to make extra money you know i mean we've had technology around us for ever but for anybody who's grown up with video games or with any kind of customer service in the technology industry watching things change and grow and mesh is there is no one answer i think is what we've kind of come to is that you know we're all kind of going yeah but yeah but and that's what i love about you guys is that you know we're playing devil's advocate for each other and for the companies that we bash and it's like yeah <laughs> but yeah but yeah you know we're kind of kind of scooting around a just little bit it's make
1: make gotta make all sides you know it's gotta
0: take each perspective that's why I love y'all, It's because that's, that's what this is about, It's about addressing our grievances and knowing that there isn't one easy solution, but as, as purchasers in this industry, I think it's important for other people, for our viewers and listeners to know, and if they have connections into this industry, it's like, this is how people who play these games feel, and legitimately yep. this is how they feel. This isn't an email riddled with cuss words and bad grammar. This is a genuine conversation between friends, between streamers, between gamers about how we see your handling of your industry. It's not screaming, and I've never been a fan of that. If you write an email to a customer service support, and if you're coming out there riddled with cuss words and just, like, bad grammar and terrible, terrible assessments of, of their company you're not going to get a response and frankly you don't deserve one but you know it's if you come out and say this was an issue we wanted to bring it up we understand there's not an easy solution but you have a whole team of people at your disposal it's about time you use them that's what i want to tell the developers is you're doing great but you could always be better and i understand your market's huge so sorry in advance
2: God of war not too long ago there was a do not be sorry be better
0: do not be sorry be better yeah
2: <laughs> quote. Quote. i love that quote
0: listen to your own advice god of war no it's, it's just yeah, that's, yeah. Good. that's good that's a good one so i would like to thank asrenix and Oscitator, and we do miss our beloved ds the original but he has had some stuff going on so hopefully he'll be back soon for the next party buff And thank you so much to the listeners and to the viewers as well who come on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you happen to find us because uh, we did have a bit of a delay, but we're back at it. And who knows, we might even put out a bonus episode just to say thank you for putting up with our little delays here. And as a reminder, we are looking for sponsors, So if you know of anybody who runs a company who is looking to get some shout outs on PartyBuff, please have them contact me at partybuffpodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, partybuffpodcast at gmail.com, and we can talk about running a sponsorship deal. And that way, and we always try to support our local and uh, friendly gamer businesses, so make sure you reach out to us too. Once again, thank you as. Thank you, Aussie. We miss you, DS. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Party buff.